Hello, and welcome to Absolutely Booked, a podcast with a synopsis of your favorite or not so favorite books with commentary by a hardly qualified 20 something year old. This podcast does contain spoilers, hence the commentary. So if you haven't read the book, then don't listen to this, unless you're listening to it to skip reading the book, and in that case, you're welcome. This week, we have The Great Gatsby, one of the most memorable books that most students have been reading in the high school curriculum for just about forever. So let's get straight into it. The Great Gatsby is a 1925 novel by the American writer F. Scott Fitzgerald. This book is a first-person limited narrative by the main character, Nick Carraway. The novel was actually inspired by F. Scott Fitzgerald's own youthful romance that he had developed with socialite Geneva King on the North Shore of Long Island in 1922. The book begins with Nick Carraway, a young man from Minnesota who moves to New York to learn about the bond business in 1922, right on with his own experience. He finds a house, or a hut of sorts as he calls it, in the West Egg District of Long Island. The West Egg District is a prestigious area of Long Island where the newly rich have staked their claim, not to be confused with the neighboring East Egg directly across the bay where the old money sits, the pretentious. Nick's next-door neighbor in West Egg is a mysterious man named Jay Gatsby, who lives in a gigantic, gothic-styled mansion and throws extravagant parties every Saturday night. Nick Carraway was an absolute contradiction compared to those who lived in West Egg. He was educated at Yale and had social connections in East Egg. His connection was his cousin Daisy Buchanan. In the beginning of the book, Nick drives out to East Egg one evening for dinner with Daisy and her husband, Tom, who happened to be a classmate of Nick's while at Yale. Daisy and Tom introduce Nick to Jordan Baker, a beautiful, cynical young woman with whom Nick begins a no-strings-attached romantic relationship. Nick also learns about Daisy and Tom's marriage. Jordan tells him that Tom has a lover, Myrtle Wilson, who lives in the Valley of Ashes, a gray industrial dumping ground between West Egg and New York City. Not long after this revelation, Nick travels to New York City with Tom and Myrtle, though he really did not want to go, at a vulgar, gaudy party in the apartment that Tom keeps for the affair, Myrtle begins to taunt Tom about Daisy, and Tom responds by breaking her nose. Nick was always fascinated by Gatsby and his mysteriousness, and finally, as the summer progresses, Nick lands a spot at one of Gatsby's famous Saturday parties. He encounters Jordan Baker at the party, and they meet Gatsby himself, a surprisingly young man with a remarkable smile, and who happens to call everyone old sport no matter if they're known to him or not. Gatsby asks to speak to Jordan alone, and through Jordan, Nick later learns more about his mysterious neighbor. Gatsby tells Jordan that he knew Daisy in Louisville in 1917 and is deeply in love with her. He spends many nights staring at the green light at the end of her dock across the bay from his mansion. Gatsby's extravagant lifestyle and wild parties are all simply an attempt to impress Daisy, Gatsby now wants Nick to arrange a reunion between himself and Daisy, but he is afraid that Daisy will refuse to see him if she knows that he is still in love with her. Nick invites Daisy to have tea at his house without telling her that Gatsby will also be there. 
After an initially awkward reunion in a torrential rainfall, Gatsby and Daisy re-established their connection, and their love was rekindled from that moment forward, and they began an affair. After a short time, Tom grows increasingly suspicious of his wife's relationship with Gatsby. At a luncheon at the Buchanan's house, Gatsby stares at Daisy with such undisguised passion that Tom makes the decision in that second that Gatsby is in love with her. Though Tom is himself involved in an extramarital affair, he is still outraged by the thought that his own wife could be unfaithful to him. He forces the group to drive into New York City where he confronts Gatsby in a suite at the Plaza Hotel while the heat outside is consuming them all alive. Tom asserts that he and Daisy have a history that Gatsby could never understand, and he announces to his wife that Gatsby is a criminal, that his fortune comes from bootlegging alcohol and probably other illegal activities. Daisy realizes that her allegiance is to Tom, and Tom contemptuously sends her back to East Egg with Gatsby, attempting to prove that Gatsby cannot hurt him. On their way home from the city, Nick, Jordan, and Tom drive through the Valley of Ashes. They discover that Gatsby's notable yellow car has struck and killed Myrtle, Tom's affair lover. They rush back to Long Island, where Nick learns from Gatsby that Daisy was the one driving the car when it struck Myrtle, but that Gatsby intends to take the blame, continuously showing his love for her. The next day, Tom tells Myrtle's husband, George, that Gatsby was the driver of the car. George, who has leapt to the conclusion that the driver of the car that killed Myrtle must have been her lover, finds Gatsby in the pool at his mansion and shoots him dead. George then fatally shoots himself. Nick stages a small funeral for Gatsby, ends his relationship with Jordan, and moves back to the Midwest to escape the disgust he feels for the people surrounding Gatsby's life and for the emptiness and moral decay of life among the wealthy on the East Coast. Nick reflects that just as Gatsby's dream of Daisy was corrupted by money and dishonesty, the American dream of happiness and individualism has disintegrated into the mere pursuit of wealth. Though Gatsby's power to transform his dreams into reality is what makes him great, Nick reflects that the era of dreaming, both Gatsby's dream and the American dream, is over. This book is actually a decently short book, and if you weren't able to read it in the high school curriculum, I definitely suggest you read it now. Or if you didn't pay that much attention in high school and you want to take another look at it, it is filled with themes, symbols, and motifs that you just cannot find in books anymore. Almost everything is related to something, and that is the way we love it. But let's start with the first theme, decline of the American dream. The American dream that Fitzgerald or Nick explains in chapter 9 of the book is discovery, individualism, and the pursuit of happiness. This instead is replaced with cyanism, greed, and the empty pursuit of pleasure. It was no longer about the pursuit of happiness, but of materialistic wealth, the greatest downfall of the dream itself. The unrestrained desire for money and pleasure surpassed any sort of noble goals. Let's go straight into the second theme, hollowness of the upper class. The example we should use here is Tom Buchanan and his terrible attitude. Because his fortune had run down to him, he knew a level of old pretentiousness that the newly rich just didn't understand. 
where Gatsby came from new money with a gothic-style mansion, gaudy-colored suits, and a bright yellow car. Tom, Daisy, and Jordan all dressed themselves in black and white, old-fashioned, and old taste. And seemingly where it meant the most, the Buchanans simply ran away from the horrors of reality that they never truly had to face. For example, moving away when Gatsby died instead of confronting it. Gatsby stayed up until four in the morning watching Daisy through the window to ensure that Tom wouldn't hurt her. The hollowness of the upper class is seen through Tom, honestly. Let's move on to the symbols. And of course, we have to start with the most popular one, the green light at the end of Daisy's dock. Cutting straight to the chase, this light represents Gatsby's hopes and dreams of being with Daisy. Before Gatsby and Daisy's reintroduction, Gatsby would stand at the waterfront and reach his arms towards the light, reaching for something he couldn't get a hold of. When Gatsby and Daisy started their official affair, he stated, quote, If it wasn't for the mist, we could see your home across the bay, said Gatsby. You always have a green light that burns at the end of your dock. Daisy put her arm through his abruptly, but he seemed absorbed in what he had just said. Possibly, it had occurred to him that the colossal significance of the light had now vanished forever. Compared to the great distance that had separated him from Daisy, it had seemed very near to her, almost touching her. It had seemed as close as a star to the moon. Now it was again a green light on a dock. His count of enchanted objects had diminished by one. When he finally gets a daisy, he realizes that it was all he had ever worked for, and now he had it. The light officially meant nothing. Also in chapter 9, Nick compares the light to how it must have looked for the early settlers of the new nation, another shove towards the original meaning of the American dream. The second symbol I'll use as an example is the Valley of Ashes. Located between two rich settlements of West Egg in New York City, the Valley of Ashes is a fantastic farm where ashes grow like wheat into ridges and hills in grotesque gardens. This imagery of ashes and dust does a good job at explaining at how people who live there, like the Wilsons, are shut out from the wealth that people like the Buchanans enjoy. Myrtle was constantly disgracing George for his lack of wealth, and though he tried by operating his own business, he was never at the level of wealth that made someone undisgraceful. It hints to the spiritual bareness of the American society and how it lacked morals and decency. Nick said, Driving through the Valley of Ashes was vaguely disquieting, and it gave him a moment to be able to reflect on his own feelings. Honestly, one of my favorite parts about The Great Gatsby are the motifs. There are a few of them. There's judgment, wealth. My personal favorite is weather. And I feel like it's not that much talked about, at least when I was in high school. But the first time Gatsby and Daisy met again after their long bout of separation, it was raining, Gatsby's fingers were trembling, he was nervous. Quote, aware of the loud beating of my own heart, I pulled the door against the increasing rain. It shows the ultimate dread and worry that Gatsby felt as he dedicated his entire life to impressing Daisy and there was a possibility that she would just brush him away. However, once the awkward reintroduction between Daisy and Gatsby was done with, quote, when I realized what I was talking about, that there were twinkle bells of sunshine in the room, 
He smiled like a weatherman, like an ecstatic patron of recurrent light, and he repeated the news to Daisy. What do you think of that? It stopped raining. It shows that Gatsby had this underlying fear that when he would be introduced to Reed Daisy, her feelings would not align with his own. It turns out that Daisy did reciprocate these feelings, and that is when the sun began to shine. The second time we can understand weather as a motif of Fitzgerald's work is the day Daisy's love affair becomes acknowledged. It's a hot summer type of day. No one can stay cool, much like their tempers. Tom, Daisy, Gatsby, Nick, and Jordan were all complaining. They were all hot. They wanted ice baths. They wouldn't stop drinking to try to stay cool. Gatsby was making eyes at Daisy so ferociously, it was all it took for Tom to connect the dots. It was a way for Fitzgerald to show how the events in the book were heating up. And much like Nick explains, even up in the Plaza Hotel, the breeze was hot, though it neared the time of dusk. It didn't matter what time it was for the party of five, they were going to be enduring some of the most heated, consequential moments of any of their lives. And that's all I have today for The Great Gatsby. Nick Carraway's experiences with his West Egg neighbor Gatsby and Gatsby's extravagant Saturday parties and Nick's cousin Daisy and the longing love affair between Gatsby and Daisy. That's The Great Gatsby. <laughs> New episodes of Absolutely Booked come out every Monday, so stay on the watch out for the next book we'll be reviewing, Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. And as the last great quote of the great Gatsby goes, so we beat on boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past.